Well, good morning, everyone. You uh, chose not to sleep in, so that's a good thing today. Uh, We're glad that you are here, and uh, we're expecting a very big crowd on Easter, which is this two weeks away, so I want to give a few things that I want to encourage you to do. First of all, each of you in your program, if you open up the program when you walked in, uh, you'll see an invitation that looks like that. And what I want to encourage you to do is to take that invitation and invite someone. Um, now, some of you are like, I don't do that. I am digital, like you have arrived. So we have a Facebook invitation that looks just like that. If you go to our Facebook page, uh, the Jar Community Church, and you can share that with everyone if you want, or you can go ahead and specify it to certain people. But we want to encourage you to do that. Um, 60% of all people uh, will come to church on Easter if they're simply invited. So uh, that's all it takes is for you to take one invite uh, to do that. And it's coworkers, neighbors, friends, uh, anyone uh, to invite them to be a part of that. Now, a second thing that we're going to need for Easter, which is, like I said, two weeks away, uh, March 27th, is that for some of you to be willing, if you don't invite anyone, then if you could come to the 9 o'clock, that would help us out a lot. Now, if you invite someone, we want you to go at the celebration they go to. So don't invite them at 1045 and go at the 9 o'clock, okay? That wouldn't work out very well, okay? So just go ahead, and if you invite someone, let them come, uh, let them experience that. We're going to have 100 extra chairs uh, that will be here, and so we're looking for a big crowd, and so I want to encourage you to do that. Now, the night before Easter, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, but there were some jarheads, you know, setting up. So, 6 o'clock on Saturday night, we're going to set up everything. And we're really excited. I'm going to give you uh, a little uh, inside scoop. This right here is no longer. Uh, We are going to get a brand new backdrop that goes all the way across. And it's going to be blue. It's going to be very cool. And uh, we're going to need to know how to set it up. So that's why we're going to do it on Saturday. But chairs, everything in Jar Kids, if you can come and do that, uh, that will be great. Also, uh, we need people to greet. Today, in fact, there was a couple that walked in. I'm like, ah, no one said hi to them. I know you're welcoming people, so let's do that. So as many people as can come and can help, our goal is to have so many hospitality greeters that they'll actually be out in the parking lot. So when people get out of their door, you'll be like, don't freak them out. Don't like go, hey, how you doing? You know, uh, they'll close the door and go, I'm going somewhere else. Um, but if you can just say, hey, we're glad you're here, that would be a great thing. Uh, for you to be about, and so if you can do that. Also, if you work in JAR Kids, uh, they're praying for 150 kids. Now, unless you want them climbing down from the upstairs, uh, we need all of our volunteers for JAR Kids uh, who've gone through that to do that. If you can come and help in one celebration and then go to the other one, it would help us out quite a bit. Last thing, um, we know there's not going to be enough parking space uh, here at the Y. So we've connected with the uh, Muncie Music Center and also the attorney office of Defer Verin. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Um, but anyways, they're very nice people. And uh, don't sue me for, you know, pronouncing their name wrong. Um, but uh, we're going to have parking there and parking on the side. So if you volunteer or uh, you get here early, check those out first so that all of our guests, everyone that you're inviting, uh, we'll have a place uh, to do that. So are you up for the challenge? Yes. All right. Good, good, good. We'll see next in a couple of weeks how uh, excited you are. All right, let's pray, and we're going to jump in. Um, God, we really want to hear from you today that more than uh, what I would say, which is so limiting, and my voice has very little power and very little conviction, but I know, God, that through the power of your Spirit, that you will. And so I pray, God, that you would come right now, you would move in this place, and that whatever uh, each person came in with, whatever their greatest need is, God, would you speak to them, and would you help us to um, leave from this place changed. So come now and guide your servant. 
We pray in Christ's name. Amen. One of the very first uh, scripture verses I ever memorized uh, was the verse we're going to look at here this morning. And uh, it's a verse that talks about the invitational life. Uh, the last, last week we started a new series called The Invitation. And basically what we're talking about is how can your life look like one big invitation when it comes to connecting with people and letting them know of God's love. And so uh, Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, and the New Testament is the second half of the Bible, he wrote one particular book called Romans where he writes this letter to a small little church in Rome. And as he writes to them, he says, this is what is at the heart of God. This is what is most important. This is a profound statement that he gives, and it'll come up on the side screens. It says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's all read that out loud together in one voice. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I'd like you to turn to the person beside you. You do not have to be a theological uh, scholar to answer this question. But which word in all of those words do you think is the most important? Okay? So ask the person beside you, which word is the most important word right there? Some guy in the first celebration said, the. I'm like, serious? No, just joking. Hey, you know what the key word is? It's a word you could circle. It's the very first word. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every New England patriot. Even Tom Brady. If he calls on the name of the Lord, though. He'll be, some of you are like, nope, not him, you know. Um, the New York Yankees, if you like hate the Yankees, but every Yankee who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every Republican, every Democrat, every socialist, every capitalist, every straight person, every gay person, every person you have a hard time dealing with, every person you dislike, every person that you don't want to associate or take time with, Every person who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And this morning, I have to ask you a big question. It's a hard question. And uh, this is the question. It'll come up on the side screens. How wide is your everyone? When it comes to you and your life, how wide is your everyone. Is, it, is your everyone wide or is your everyone very, very narrow? What is it? Maybe for some of you, your everyone looks exactly like you. They talk like you. They look like you. They vote like you. They drive a car like you. They're from the same neighborhood as you. But your everyone is that. And if you're like that, it's not as wide as you might think. And I think Paul, if he were here, or if Jesus were here today, and he was on this stage, I think both of them would be challenging you to expand your everyone. To make it wider and wider, not narrower and narrower. One day Jesus uh, is at a table and they're eating. They're all hanging out together. And the people that he's hanging out with were a group of people called Pharisees. They were like Bible bumpers and they were the bullhorn guy, you know. They were the religious elite of their day. And Jesus is talking to them, and what he soon finds out is that all of them, they think they have a really wide invitation, but their invitation is very, 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 very narrow. Very narrow. And so Jesus begins to tell a story in Luke 12. Uh, it's called a parable. 
And a parable is just an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And Jesus would tell these stories all the time to try to help people to connect. And here's the story he tells. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. He's like, the T-bone is ready. The drinks are ready. You know, the band is amped up and they're ready to go. The celebration is ready. You know I like to throw good parties. Everything's good to go. Goes on. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Now, folks, that's a weak excuse. I just bought five oxen and uh, sorry, but I got to go check them out, see if they're okay. It's like I just bought a new Harley and it's raining today, but it might turn into sunshine. So I can't accept the invitation. Here's the next one. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Look at that. He's already blaming his wife. I mean, they just got married. He's like, hey, what's up with that? Then he goes on to say, the servant came back and reported this to his master. He goes, hey, I went to all of your friends. I went to some of my friends. We invited all of these people. They made excuses. And guess what? There is more room in the banquet hall. Have any of you ever experienced this before? You invite someone, whether it's to church, whether you invite them somewhere else, and you have like this group of people that you're like constantly inviting, you're praying for them, you're reaching out to them, you're trying to show God's love to them, and you tell them, hey, I'd love for you to just come and see. Just check it out like one time. That's it. And they're like, I got to work, or my spouse has something for us this weekend, or I have an ingrown toenail. Really, that's it. For many of us, when that happens, this is what we do. We retire. We just retire from the invitational life. We're like, I've gone through these couple names. Pastor boy up there, you know, told me to do that. I did that, and they didn't come, so I'm done. Folks, if that's you, this is what I want you to know. Your everyone is very narrow. Your everyone... Is very narrow. You are narrowing the view of God's everyone. Now, in this parable, what Jesus is trying to teach is that he says the master's view of humanity is wide. It's expansive. It includes everyone who calls on his name. So when the servant comes back and he says, hey, your friends can't come, look at what happens next. The master goes, well, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He's like, go after them. Go after them. So the servant goes and he invites all of them and some of them come, but not all of them come. He's like, dude, we still got a few seats like right here and we got some seats like are over there in the banquet hall. And this is what I love about this story is that the master is like, I want to expand the servant's perspective of what it means to invite everyone. He says, I want to expand what that looks like of who to invite. See, the truth is that every one of you have people in your life who look up to you. They respect you. They are excited that you're a part of their life. And maybe they are a co-worker of yours. Maybe they're a, a mom that you hang out with. Maybe they're a buddy that you play golf with or you go and you ride bikes together. But there's someone in your world who looks up to you and respects you. And you have the ability to influence their life. 
And what the master is trying to say, just because the friends wouldn't come, there's a whole other group of people that you're unaware of. That you don't even know who they are. And what happens is you become so narrow that you're no longer looking at who everyone is. I remember in high school, I grew up in Marion, Indiana my entire life. And at uh, ninth grade, uh, my dad uh, decided we would move to Anderson. And when we moved to Anderson, I didn't know a single person. I would not gone to school with any of these kids. And so I got on the football team, and they heard I was a quarterback, but I wasn't their quarterback. And that first week, I got a lot of late hits. You know, I don't know what that was about, but I did. So I wasn't sure that the whole football thing would work out, and you had to determine whether you were going to take band or choir. Well, I couldn't play a recorder. You know, like sixth grade, they force you to play the recorder. I didn't know you had to put your thumb on the back side of it for my grade. I mean, it was not good, okay? And so I had joined the choir, and there was a kid by the name of Casey, and he was so kind to me, and uh, he was a real, real big guy, but it was choir, you know? And when you're in high school, sometimes if you're an athlete, all of a sudden that gets in your head, and you're like, choir. And so this is what would happen, is that when we were in choir, Casey and I were cool. But once I got out of choir room and I was walking through the hallway or I was in the cafeteria or I I was talking to my basketball buddies or my track buddies, I act like I didn't even know him, that he didn't exist. And to be honest, it's something that to this day I deeply, deeply regret. But am I alone on that? Have any of you ever had that experience before? You just kind of decide to narrow the people that you'll connect with. It might be because you don't want to be embarrassed. Or it might be because uh, you don't want to be made fun of. Or it might be because you don't want to be rejected by everyone else at work. But again, folks, I've got to ask you the question, how wide is your everyone? Or is it? Very narrow. Well, the servant finally comes back to the master, and this is what he says. He says, sir, what you ordered has been done, but there is still more room. And the master told his servant, he goes, go. He goes, I'm sending you out. Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And I love this message. He's like, hey, then go off to the far-off roads. Go off-road on it. And if there is still more room at the banquet, I want you to go to every alley, to everyone who's standing alone, to everyone who's hurting, to everyone who feels like they've messed up way too much for God to ever have a relationship with them. That I want you to go to everyone who feels like they're unseen, that they're invisible, that they're hurting, The master says, I want you to go to everyone like that. I want your story to be the one that goes out and lets people know what kind of party I throw. Now, the key word in this particular uh, phrase is the word compel. You might want to circle that. What does it look like to compel people? To check out who God is. Now the definition of compel says this. A force that is greater than yourself to bring about something. Because you believe so deeply in something. Because it's deeply personal to you. You make it happen. You compel people around you to do things all the time. And again, the master is trying to expand the servant's view. To make it more wide. So let me ask you, how wide is your everyone? Is it this wide? Is it this wide? Is it this wide? Is it very, very narrow? You know, throughout Scripture, what Jesus got irritated about more than anything else 
wasn't when people messed up and they totally screwed up and they, you know, flubbed up in life. He wasn't upset with that. He's like, I expect some of that. You know what he got most irritated by? People who were judgmental and who had a very, very, very narrow view of who everyone was. When the religious leaders would say, it's so narrow that only certain people can come into the temple and other people can't. So narrow that only we will keep some people who are lepers or the poor or those who are disconnected from God. We'll keep them outside the house. And this infuriated Jesus. He got so mad sometimes that scripture says he threw tables over because of what they were doing in his house. Because Jesus' mission from the very beginning was that the kingdom of God was to go out to all the nations, to everyone. In fact, in the last book of the Bible, the very last book of the Bible is called Revelation. And a lot of times what happens is people read that book and they freak out and they're like, Oh, dude, man, like I don't have a chance. I am going to the dragon in the pit of hell. That's where I'm heading, you know. And Revelation isn't a scary book. Revelation is a book about worship. All it is is like a worship book saying, hey, this is how you're going to worship when you get to heaven. So you better figure out how you do it. And in that, in chapter 7, verse 9, it says this. This is who's going to be there. It is every tribe, tongue, and nation will be there. This is for everyone always. Now, Jesus realized that one parable probably wasn't enough. So he's like, well, the parable of the banquet, that was good, but I don't think that's enough. So he tells a second parable. He tells the parable of the sower, of a farmer and some seed and soil. And so he tells this story, and we're not going to go through it verse by verse today. Some of you are like, oh, thank God, dude, I lost like one hour of sleep. Now you're going to tell us another story? Okay, so you can read this this week. It's in Luke 8, 4 to 15. You can write it down, it's in your program, read it this week. I'm just going to tell it to you real briefly. The story, basically, Jesus says that there was this farmer who took some seed, and he went out and he planted it. And he said, the soil represents people who listen to God's words, and some of them listen really, really well, and things grow, And some people uh, do not listen to that. So you see, you have this farmer, and he has some seeds. And in that day, they didn't have, like, you know, straight rows and all that kind of stuff. They just scattered the seed. Just scattered the seed. Was hoping that something would get planted, might fall on good soil, not good soil. But there were four types of listeners that Jesus said. And the whole point was just to plant some seeds. Why do farmers plant seeds? They plant seeds because they want stuff to grow. And they keep planting seeds to see if anything will grow. They don't care what it is, how many seeds they have to use. They just want to make sure that some stuff grows. Now, I have uh, two girls. One is uh, six and the other one's eight. And unfortunately, they didn't choose their dad. And so if they would have known they were going to be a preacher's kid, they might have chose somebody else. But that's what they got. And one of the things they have to do is they have to go to a lot of weddings. And after a while, you know, you're always trying to keep your kids quiet at weddings. I just let them go. I mean, I'm just like, hey, you know, whatever, get over it. And I noticed pretty soon, like, they didn't like the music, really. They didn't like the dresses. I always thought it was my message. I was like, hey, how'd daddy do? And they're like, well, whatever, you know, like, uh, you know, not so excited about that either. This was the moment that they loved the most. When the bride and groom actually got out of the church and they started walking to the car and all the friends and family would take some bird seed or some other kind of seed and they'd like throw it up and they're just like throw it up and they're throwing it up and he's like, oh, he's planting these seeds. And I remember one particular wedding, they were like walking Towards the, the car, like everyone's walking to the car to wave goodbye to the bride and groom. I look back, my girls are like on the ground picking up all the bird seed by themselves. Like everyone's gone, they're like, who cares about that? And they're just like this. They're just like, ah! 
You know, they're just like running around, you know. They're just throwing bird seed everywhere. And this is the thing. I looked at that image that day. I thought, that's awesome. Like, like, I wish I had that kind of life. Just a free life where you're just like throwing seed wherever it would go. And to show God's love in that way. To give seed no matter what. But the truth is, I think for many of us, you know what we actually think? We're going to run out of seed. And so instead of, you know, being real generous and just planting the seed wherever it is and be like, hey, it's not my responsibility to make the soil. Did you realize that? Your responsibility is not the soil. Your responsibility is to plant the seed. But what happens is we think we're going to run out of seed. So what takes place is we take one little tiny seed and we take it over here and we plant it in the ground we might like, you know, cover it up with a little bit of dirt. We pat it a little bit. And then we step back and we're like, that's it. I'm good. This is the thing, folks, I want you to know. You will never run out of seed. Like, God's grace is so great. It never stops. Anyone that you see, you can plant some seeds in. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you can plant some seeds. You can plant some seeds. When you go to Walmart, you know, and you're in that big long line and everyone's like complaining about everybody, freak them out. Start planting some seeds. Hey, how you doing? Good. Me too. You know, when you're at Speedway and, the, you know, the gas there and the guy's on the inside and he's not getting your thing right and you're just trying to get your credit card in, go inside. Holy cow, what an idea. I'd actually go in and pay for my gas? Plant some seeds. Or to the restaurant. You know, wherever you go, just plant seeds. That's what it was all about, just planting some seeds. Just planting some seeds, planting some seeds. It's not about the soil. That's not your responsibility. It is to be a farmer to plant some seeds. And God's grace is everywhere. And you can plant it anywhere and everywhere you want. But the truth is, like I said, many of us think that we're going to run out of seed. So we hold it back. And this is what we do. We get the seed, or like, better put it in my pocket. And you know why you do that? Because you're afraid to be rejected. Because what if someone says no? What if someone starts making fun of you? What if they do something you're like, ah, just keep these in my pocket. Now, for some of you, the only thing that you've thought of so far, because people in the first celebration, who's going to clean that up? (laughs) Who is going to clean that up? I don't want you to have that thought. In fact, when you have that thought for the rest of the celebration, somebody will take care of it. And it's not you. So, you know, like if you're new for the first time, you're like, dude, are they going to ask me? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. So how do you do it? How do you do the planting of seed? Well, I want to give you a phrase, which is kind of a process of how you can do this. And here's the first part of the process. It is to look for good. Look for the good. You might say, well, what's that mean? What's that about? Every environment that I walk into, I'm looking for good. I'm looking for good. I'm looking for good. I went to the uh, spelling bee yesterday. My daughter made the spelling bee. She didn't make it very far, but she made it. You know, that's good enough. But they were like these real stressed out kids. And my kid, (laughs) this is what I told Jordan. I said, honey, if you don't know the word at all, ask them, you know, all the little things you have to ask them. And then say, could you use that in a song? And uh, she's like, a song, Dad? I said, yeah, just tell them. Ask them to use it in a song. And then I said, if you really don't know the word, just go, you know, language of origin. uh, You know, could you use it in a sentence, definition? Could you spell the word for me? You know what I mean? (laughs) And her mom was freaking out. My wife, man, she thought... She's really going to do that. Now, or on a public television, here's, you know, little Jordan Bunch. Could you just spell it for me, you know? Um, But when I walked in there, I saw all these people, and I'm like, I can find some good in here. 
I can reach out to some people. I can sit down with the guy that's like, oh, man, my kid got out. Oh, that's all right. Hey, what do you do? My kid got out too. Every kid's going to get out. Forty-nine kids are getting out today. You know, and just trying to reach out, try to see where the good is. When we first started the jar, one of the things that we didn't have were musicians. And so I started praying, God, would you... Would you bring us a drummer? We have one drummer, Jeremy played, Jeremy's played like forever. He's like, he's arthritic because he's played so many drums, you know, like in this. And uh, Jeremy's awesome. And, uh, but we had to get, you know, some help for Jeremy. And so I was praying and uh, couldn't find anyone. And then one day we're at this party and one of my wife's friends was dating this guy. And this dude was the weirdest dude in the world. I mean, he was like weird he's the kind of person that have you ever had this before like you're in a social setting and they say something and you're like and you kind of hope like it stops but it never stops like it just keeps on going the entire time this is this guy and he was kind of a loner he kind of just went off and did his own thing and uh everyone just kind of avoided him but i was like you know what i can see some good in him and uh, i found out he played for the max allen band which is a uh, blues and jazz band and uh, so I was like, uh, hey, dude, you got some gigs coming up? He's like, dude, aren't you a pastor? I'm like, we like music too, you know? He's like, well, you can come. I was like, sure. And so we went, you know, to a few bars. He's like, you'll go to the bar? I'm like, yeah, we'll go to the bar. And so we went to a few places. I'm just planting seeds, trying to see the good that's in him that no one else obviously can see because he didn't have very many friends. And uh, one day he and his girlfriend showed up at church, and I was shocked. I was like, man, God, he's here. Help the band not sound horrible today. You know what I mean? Like, help them to sound halfway decent. And they sounded really, really good that day. And he started playing in the band. And this is all I'm saying, folks. When you walk into environments, you got to see the good. When you walk into Walmart, I can see some good there. When you walk to... Texas Roadhouse, I can see some good there. When I go to Bruner's, I can see some good there. When I go to uh, Speedway, I can see some good there. When I go to the shack, you know, with the little uh, snack place for the break room, I can see good from my employees. When I go to my boss's office, I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to see some good there. You know, you can, you can decide that. But it's all about trying to find some good and then just planting some seed wherever you're at. Now, the thing is, you can't just find the good. You've got to go beyond that. And this is the second piece that I want to encourage you to think about. First, you find the good. And then secondly, you find the need. So you find the good first. And then secondly, you find the need. By that, what I mean is that you, you're constantly looking with eyes to see what are the needs that people have around us. There's a lady in our church who uh, works at a business and right beside them is another business. And over a period of time, uh, she just started planting some seeds with that other business. And this other business is owned by a couple that had gone through a lot of pain and hurt and brokenness, just a lot of stuff. And she found the good, and, and she saw the need that was there. And she just kept planting and planting. It took a little while to, to sow some seed. It didn't all come at once. But she finally got to the point where she made the invite several times, and she finally made an invite, and they actually showed up this past fall. And when they showed up this fall, God has done just an amazing thing in the life of this couple. And the husband recently sent me a Facebook message, and this is what he said. He said, I love the jar." Because of it, I'm feeling healthier each day and getting back on the right path God wants me on. Learning to forgive myself and allowing God to love me just as he can. 
This has been the richest healing of my life. That when he walked in these doors, it wasn't the pastor boy. It wasn't anything else. It was the community saying, God loves you. He cares for you. Someone was reaching out. And he's like, it's the healthiest I've been in my life. We are truly blessed by finding the jar when we did. God is working in wonderful ways. And you know, as, as I've learned to know this couple who has, is just an amazing couple. And they, they've been transformed and renewed and their life is changing. I just kept thinking to myself, what if that person would have just put the seeds in their pocket? What if they would have just said, no, too messy for me. And I found myself on Friday thanking God so much that she was about planting seeds and planting seeds and planting seeds. And you know what else I was thankful for? That everyone in this church, when people walk in, that people feel welcomed. That they're accepted. That regardless of who you are, you're loved in this place. And that God loves you and we want you to grow. That's our desire. So, we look for good, we look for need, and then finally, we have to invite someone. You invite someone. Um, A year ago... I found myself on a soccer field on the sideline. My oldest daughter, Jordan, was playing in this soccer team. And she was on the travel team. And so they travel. They get to know each other pretty well. And I'll never forget, we're all like, it's like early April, late March, something like that. We're all on this sideline. All these parents, I don't know any of them. And everyone has a common motion. You're all going like this. You're just freezing. And they're like, oh, we're almost done. We're like, please, be done, be done. Well, I'm looking. I don't know anyone at all on this soccer team. But I start thinking to myself, this is a time where I could plant some seeds. I could actually find some good. And one of the girls on the team, we actually found out that she and my daughter go to the same school. They weren't in the same class, but they were at the same school. And we just started finding the good, and we started sowing some seeds, and we got to know her parents really well, and she and her sister, and just really learned to love this family, and we found the good. We just found the good. We kept planting seeds. And one particular uh, time this fall, after we had had the whole team over, we then had a play date with these two girls, and uh, I was talking to the mom of the two girls, and We were just kind of talking to each other, and she just kind of opened up, and she shared about a need that was in her life, that there was a 36-year-old cousin of hers who had died from a drug overdose, and that that he had left a wife and two daughters. And I just started listening to that story and trying to plant some more seeds and plant some seeds. And my wife was doing the same thing. And pretty soon, I'll never forget, we had invited them to church. And they came and they sat right back around there for the very first time. And I saw the two of them and their two beautiful girls were upstairs. And I thought, man, it was so much worth finding the good, finding the need, and inviting someone. Well, the two little girls uh, on one particular Sunday, Jordan runs up to me and she's like, guess what, Dad? I'm like, what? She's like, you know my two friends? I'm like, yeah, they accepted Jesus. And I'm like, really? And tears were just flowing down. And the husband and wife are growing closer and closer to God and learning to know him better. And I'm just like, it's so, this is what I want to spend the rest of my time on earth doing, is taking some seeds, just like scattering it wherever it goes, wherever it goes, just scattering it. And you know why? Because this is a very cool thing that happened this week. So we had a play date. The good thing, too, when you make friends and you plant seeds, you find babysitters. You know what I mean? Like, hey, uh... Hey, kids want to have a play date. Let's have it at your house. You know what I mean? They're like, okay. So they had a play date at their house. And my wife afterwards 
she uh, goes to pick him up. And the mom told this story. She said this week, she goes, you know who Joey Feek is? And Jen's like, yeah, country music singer in Alexandria who died. And she said, well, I was reading everything on Facebook about her and the fact that she would never be able to see her two-year-old child again. And I was just crying and weeping. And so I'm crying. And my oldest daughter walks into the room that I'm looking at all this and says, Mommy, why are you crying? And she told her the story of what was happening and what was going on. And she said, I'm really crying most of all because this two-year-old will never see her mommy again. And this little girl said, that's not true. She said, that little girl will see her mommy again in heaven. And after she told that story, she said this to my wife. She said, six months ago, my little girl would have never had that response. But because of just a few seeds, an entire family is drawn to God. And we get great friends and babysitters out of it. And so this is what I want to challenge you guys. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Just planting some seeds, planting some seeds, planting some seeds. You're not responsible for the soil. God just said, keep on planting some seeds and find the good, find the need, and invite someone. Last thing. The scripture that we looked at at the very beginning said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's the key word again? Everyone. Who is it? Everyone. That's right. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And at the end of that particular verse in Romans, the scripture says this. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet. Now this is what you need to understand in the ancient Near East. Most people didn't have anything on their feet. They walked bare feet. And most of them, if they afforded sandals, they were pretty wealthy. Now they didn't have a sewer system. So what do you think their roads were like? C-R-A-P. You know what I mean? I was at a spelling contest, so I was trying to... My wife always gets mad and says, don't say those words. So I didn't. I just spelled it. You know, I, I don't think that counts. But that's what's all... And all these people are walking in on this all the time. And when people did this, their feet would stink and smell and animal stuff and everything, and it was disgusting. And yet, wherever they were sent and whenever they went, there was something that transformed... Those dirty feet of the early followers of Christ to see something beautiful. In Genesis 3.15, God said he was going to send someone. He was going to send someone whose hill would crush the head of evil. In a couple of weeks, that's what we're celebrating. That that's what Jesus did. And in Romans 16.20, Paul says this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And folks, this is the thing. Every single time that you take some seed and you start planting it into people's lives, it's not just seed that you're planting, but you're planting eternity in people's lives. And you're helping people who might be very much on the way towards the evil one to actually be turned to the one who knows them best, who loves them most. And Jesus is saying, would you just plant some seed? Would you just plant some seed? And so finally, we get to the fourth step. You find the good, you find the need, you invite someone to say to them, just come and see. Come and see. Jesus, when he first started his public ministry, what he would do constantly is he would walk around people that no one else would connect with, and he would reach out to them, and the scripture actually says, he would say these words, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. He's like, I've got plenty of seeds to plant. Just keep coming and see. 
Come and see. It doesn't work this time, that's fine. Just come and see. Come and see. That's what I do. I'll tell people, just come and see. Check us out once. Dude, it's not going to kill you one time. Like the roof has never caved in on any person. So I don't care how messed up you think you are. Just come and see. And if you hate it, then don't come back. Because I'm not responsible for the soil. I'm just responsible to plant some seed. Now, some of you have questions about this, and you're like, but is there enough seed? I'm just afraid I'm going to run out of seed. Folks, God's grace is everywhere. It's constantly reaching out. It's constantly moving, directing. And God's just saying, would you give some of that away? Would you give some seed? Would you give some seed? Would you give some seed away? Would you plant and scatter and sow? Again, folks, it's not your responsibility for the soil. Don't take it personally. If a person comes to you and you like you plant some seed and they're like, get away from me. Well, don't keep going, here, let me help you. You know Christ followers like that, don't you? And what happens? They just run away. So this is what you do. You plant a little seed. Oh, okay, you're not ready for that. That's cool. Three months go by. All right, I'll plant a little bit more. I'll pray for them. I'll reach out to them. I'll connect with them. Oh, no more? Walk into Walmart. Walmart lady in the camera section. How you doing? Someone at Speedway. Someone in a restaurant. You never know what it would be like. Somebody had a spelling bee. Just keep on doing good, planting seed. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. And this is the thing, folks. You're never going to run out of seed. You're never going to run out of seed. But the question is this. How wide is your everyone? Do you plant the seed or do you go, ah, yeah, they're not worth it. This person, not, they're not worth it. You know why Jesus Christ came and why we celebrate Easter? is because he came for Everyone. And I'll never forget that image of my two girls throwing the seed up and thinking, God, I'm so judgmental. I'm so a person sometimes that is not like that. God, would you help me never forget that image of children taking seed on a playground. You can play with us. You can play with us. You ever notice on playgrounds, kids don't segregate to the big kids or the ugly kids or the bad kids or the poor kids. They just take them all in and they just like, hey, we'll, we'll just scatter some seed. And the way that you scatter the seed the most, folks, is when Jesus Christ becomes the center of who you are. And you know those people that I told you about, you know, they, they plant some seed there. Ah, ah. Jesus isn't at the center of them. I'll tell it to any Christ follower there is. If you're beating people down, you're not following Jesus. It's all about planting seed, planting seed. So I thought the way we would close is by giving you a moment to actually say, Jesus, I really do want you to be the center, not just of my head. A lot of you have head knowledge about Jesus, but a heart knowledge that I do want him to be the center of it all.
thinking about it that sometimes when people grow close to God they get real internal they have their little prayer time and they have their scripture time both which is really really important they have their little worship time and they go to do the church thing and they say well Jesus is at the center of who I am he's the center of who I am but their view of everyone is very, very narrow. And then you have some people who do those exact same things, but they're like, I'll see some good. I'll meet a need. I'll invite someone to come and see. And it's my hope and prayer that between now and Easter, your eyes would begin to see everyone in a much wider way. Not narrow, but as wide as the heart of the Father Himself. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up. If you'd like prayer for anything, you can. And uh, I'll just close this in prayer. Let's pray. God, thank you for each person who is in this place today. And I pray, God, that you did meet people at their greatest need today. I prayed at the very beginning of the message that, God, not anything that I would say, but something from you would speak to everyone. It might be a word of encouragement or challenge or conviction. And Holy Spirit, if you want to do that right now, we give you a moment to do so. love on these people who are here today so that they may leave from this place not keeping the seed to themselves but showing your love in an expansive way to everyone they meet this week so that your name would be made great and we pray this in Jesus name Amen. Hey guys